in our own church. Praise the Lord. Well, we've been looking through the book of Daniel. We began last week, and what we basically saw was God uh, raising up three wise men, four wise men, if you will, Daniel and three friends. They were given a name change, and but they were given favor by God, and they were given this favor as a result of a stand. They took a stand, and that stand we explained last week, the details, too much to go into. The message is online if you'd like to listen to it, but there's a lot of detail to the message because the stand they took was absolutely phenomenal, and, and, the, and the sacrifice they made to, to take that stand, and yet God was faithful, and they were ten times better in the eyes of their the kingdom they were in, the Babylonian kingdom. They were ten times better, these four men, Daniel and his three friends, ten times better than any of the other wise men in the entire, you know, Babylonian empire at that time, which is, which is miraculous. It really is phenomenal. Now, you factor that in to Daniel chapter 2, and the story begins to unfold in an even more powerful way. The book of Daniel is divided uh, into two different sections. We talked about that last week. We're talking about the action-packed story section of the book of Daniel. In other words, the first six chapters are basically six stories. They're, they're, they're separated in chapters, but they are stories that are told in, in each individual chapter. So that's, uh, that, that's what we're doing, and we're taking some time as we introduce each one of these chapters, we're taking some time initially to understand the story. And we're going to do that again this morning. How do we really apply the truth to the story before we understand the story? So we're going to do that. We've broken up the message uh, into two sections. One, understanding it. Two, applying it. All right? So we're going to do this. With 49 verses, uh, it, it's a very challenging uh, it's very challenging to a, to a speaker to get through that in, in, in the time we have. So I've divided it into, into five different scenes. And you'll kind of see that is very evident that there are five different scenes in this chapter. Kind of like a movie would have different scenes and transitions. And that's oftentimes how a script writer will script a movie. He'll script it in scenes. Well, I'll be honest, this would make a really good movie. It really would. Uh, oftentimes... Hollywood takes a Bible story and, and turns it into a dramatic movie. And this is as is, is dramatic as it gets. Daniel 2 is truly an amazing story. So let's begin by taking the very first scene and working our way through the entire chapter of Daniel. Are you ready? Scene number one, the, the, the king freaks out. That's the best way to put it. I don't know any other way to put it, but say the king just basically, he goes crazy. Look at verse number one. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, the, the king at that time, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams. Not one dream, probably not two dreams, multiple dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled and he, his sleep break from him, or he lost sleep over these dreams. So just for a moment, imagine what it would take for you to lose sleep. I don't know about you, but I sleep really well. I mean, I'm a sleeper. My wife can tell you, I go 90 miles an hour all day. But when I hit that bed, it is over. I love to sleep, man. 
And I like to get into a, a deep sleep. I, I, uh, now, as you get older, you do wake up. And, and, and some of you men over 50 know what you wake up for. Uh, you know, and uh, it's called the bathroom. But anyway, um, <clears throat> I got a physical this week, and that's what the doctor asked me. So how many times are you getting up each night? You know, and I'm like, shut up. And uh, <clears throat> so, but you know, I sleep really well. And I, I dream, too. But my dreams don't wake me up. I, I, dream, I, I dream good dreams, man. I, 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 God gives, and I dream them every night, but I, I love to dream. And sometimes dreams take me into even a deeper sleep. His dreams were not the normal dreams. They were freaking him out to the point where he was so troubled that he could not sleep. Then the king commanded to call. So he makes this e- command, and he's very upset. He's, 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 he's very frantic here, and he says, listen, get every magician, get the astrologers, verse 2, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, for to show the king his dreams. Go get everybody, that's, that all these wise men. These were the same men who were put over uh, the training of these select group of uh, children that were taken into Babylonian captivity. This would have been the group that was going to train them how to be wise, if you will. And so he says, get all these guys together, and I want to meet with them, and I want to know, look at verse 3, and the king says, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. So he looks at all these you know, sorcerers and astrologers and magicians and these Chaldeans. These would have been people who were deep into the occult. In fact, if you study who they were and kind of how they got where they were, crazy stuff. I mean, much crazier than even, at least what I studied, than even my, my hometown of New Orleans is a very, a town full of sorcery and palm reading and gazing upon the stars and telling you what your future is. It's a strange place, especially in what we call Jackson Square. If you've ever been to Jackson Square, you know there's a lot of unusual people there, sorcerers magicians that that would have been a lot like these men so they come together and the king looks at them and first of all they say to the king little king worship you know gotta gotta make him feel good oh king live forever obviously they haven't heard yet about the king and he's going to die and not live forever but they're 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 doing a little king worship kind of pump him up a little bit you know tell thy servants the dream and we will show you the interpretation you see their arrogance there are pretty confident, aren't they? Looks like they're not going to have any problem interpreting this dream. And the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If you'll not make known unto me the dream, with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. All of a sudden, these guys are like, Okay. Okay, not, not in a really good mood, is he? And the king looks at him and says, you, you either tell me the dream or we're going to cut you in pieces. And so verse number six, he says, but if you show me the dream and the interpretation, you shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. The guy's going whack. He's crazy. He's freaking out. He's threatening to kill these guys. They answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show the interpretation of it. 
That moves into scene two. Everything kind of changes. Scene two is this. The Chaldeans stall for time. Or the magicians or the astrologers uh, stall for time. The king answers and says, I know of a certainty that you would gain the time or stall for time or try to put me off, if you will, all right? Gain the time because you see the king, the thing is gone from me. I know what you're up to, guys. You're thinking, you know, that I, I'm going to forget this and you're trying to stall for time. You're acting like this is no big deal, but this is more than just your palm reading, your stargazing, dudes. I got to have an answer. But if you'll not make known unto me the dream... Listen to me, I'm going to say it again. Look at it. There is but one decree. For ye, the king says, verse 9, have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me to the time be changed. In other words, you guys are trying to make me feel good. You're acting like I'm going to forget this at some point, and, and, and this is just going to be a passing phase. This is not a passing phase. I'm, not, I'm serious. Tell me the dream. And I shall know that ye can show me the interpretation thereof. Well, the Chaldeans realize this is not going to be a normal situation. The Chaldeans answer before the king and say, Well, actually, king, um, there's not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asked such things of any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. Nobody's ever asked anything like this, king. Nobody's ever made a threat like this. And it's a, it's a rare thing. It's a, it's a difficult thing that the king requireth. Verse 11, and there's none other that can show it before the king except the gods, little g, whose dwelling is, is not with flesh. And so the Chaldeans are really hoping that will kind of calm the king down and help him to realize that what he is asking is impossible, but the plot thickens. Look at verse 12. For this cause, the king was angry and furious, and he commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. Kill them all. Okay, all right, guys, I got it. You're all dead. And the, and the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows, or his friends, to be slain. That moves us to scene number three. And that is this. Daniel seeks and finds the Lord. Daniel seeks and finds the Lord. So Daniel is now uh, hearing about this. And notice in verse 14, Daniel answers with counsel and wisdom to Arioch and the captain of the king's guard, which has gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. And he says to Arioch, the king's captain, Daniel does, verse 15, why is the decree so hasty from the king? What's up with the king? What's, what's going on here? Then Arioch made this thing known to Daniel. Arioch lays it all out. He tells him everything. What's going to happen? How the king's going basically crazy because of this dream threatening to kill everybody, including Daniel. He said all the wise men. Daniel would have been considered a wise man. The three friends would have been... They, they were, a death sentence had been placed upon all of them. In verse 16, Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time. Daniel says, Arioch, Get me before the king. I got I to have some time. That he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known. Let's go ahead and move to... Well, no, we're, still on, we're still on three. Let's keep reading here. I don't want to read too much. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah. You know that was their name change, right? What was their original names? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? So they were given name changes here and he says go tell these men as companions and that they would desire mercies of the god of heaven 
Get these guys together concerning the secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylonia, or Babylon. So basically, Daniel calls... Does this look like a prayer meeting to you? Does everybody see a prayer meeting here? He says, let's get together and, and desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret. We've got to get a hold of God so that we can be told the secret. Or else we die. Let me reenact this prayer meeting. Because there's a great lesson here. Okay? So give me, uh, give me uh, Junior. And give me Darian. And give me Zoe. Come on up here, guys. I'm going to let... I'm Daniel. And I'm calling you guys like he just called these guys. Just have a seat on the stairs here with me. So we've got Shadrach here, right? Got Meshach. And we got Abednego. Hey, guys. Thanks for coming. I guess you kind of wonder why I'm calling this emergency prayer meeting. Well, we, we, we've been praying every week together. And I think last week, Shadrach, we prayed for your, your aunt's big toe, right? How's it doing? How's that big toe doing? Doing better. Doing better. Great. Yeah, I know that was really important to you. And I think, uh, Meshach, we, last week we prayed for your stepmom's uh, teeth. She, she had a toothache, and you were really concerned. And how's that toothache doing? Oh, fantastic. That's good. God answers prayer. And uh, uh, Abednego, I think we were praying... I know I mixed up your names. I know that. And uh, I think we were, we were praying for, uh, what were we praying for? Can you remember? Oh, for you to win the fantasy football league. That was it. Yes, that was, listen, the fir- this is the first day of fantasy football, so we really need to seek the Lord. Listen, guys, um, matters a little more serious. Basically, the king uh, is really upset. And, um, you know, I mean, I know he said we were 10 times better, but. He forgot about that. Listen, here's the deal. He's, he's freaking out. He had a dream, and it's driving him crazy. He can't find anybody to interpret the dream, and we're not going to be able to do it either. We've got to hear from God. And if we don't hear from God, then basically we're going to get cut in pieces, and he's going to burn us. So we've probably eaten our last meal and seen our family for the last time unless we can get a hold of God in this prayer meeting and hear from him to interpret this dream. So who wants to pray first? Everybody with me? I'm wondering if this says anything about our prayer meetings. I I wonder if we're coming together as God's people with any urgency. You know, I don't know if we realize this, but brothers and sisters across our world are getting cut in pieces today. People are dying for the name of Jesus. And maybe the big toe request is not as big anymore as it used to be. It might be time for us to get together and call some prayer meetings, random, without the church. You don't need me to call the prayer meeting. Maybe our small groups need to spend some more time in prayer. Maybe we just need to beseech the God of heaven and hear his voice about matters that are much bigger than anything that we've been talking about lately. Thanks, guys. Do you see the intensity here? They either hear from heaven or they get cut in pieces. You say, well, Brother Eric, we're fine. You know what? We live in America. We're good here, man. We're all going home to play our fantasy football, eat big old meals. I know the capaces are. We're going to have a great time. Easy street here in America. But I wonder for how long. I wonder why we sit in our little small prayer meetings and and barely pray if persecution is coming our way and we're not ready for it. 
Well, I want you to know, Daniel beseeched the God of heaven. He knew his only hope was to find God and hear from God. Let's scene four. Daniel reports and interprets the dream. Look at verse 24. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him. First thing he said to the king. This is cool. First thing. Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Wow. These wise men were pretty wicked guys. They were astrologers. They were magicians. And they were basically occult worshipers. And the first thing Daniel does is say, don't kill them. It's almost as if he was 500 years before his time when Jesus said, love your enemies and do good to them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Don't kill them, king. Hang tight. Bring me in before the king and I'll show the king the interpretation. Then Ariok brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus unto him, I found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. And the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? And Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. Now what do we know about Daniel? Has he already been in prayer? Has he got an answer? Look at verse number 19. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God. Did did God give Daniel the interpretation? Yes. And so Daniel says to the king, verse 28, But there is a God in heaven. Hey, king, there is no wise man. There is no astrologer. There is no magician. But there is a God in heaven. And he's told me the interpretation of the dream. Unbelievable. You know, we begin to think about what the main theme of Daniel is. Last week we discussed it. It was the awesome faithfulness of God who sovereignly protects and provides for those whose hearts are loyal to him. May we not forget that this entire series, really our entire lives, that we must be faithful to God. If he is going to protect us, we must be loyal to him. He is faithful. We must be loyal. God is looking for those who are not ashamed of him and his gospel. Amen. We'll talk about that next week. When we discuss the fiery furnace, it's unbelievable how important loyalty is to God. God is all about loyalty. God is looking for loyalty. God is looking for people who are serious, super serious about serving him. I wonder how many in this room would say, I am serious. I'm serious about serving God. I'm real serious. Well, next week, we're going to see how serious we are. But the theme of Daniel chapter 2 is this. It is truly the purpose about Daniel and, and, and is this, that, that, that he got some people together who boldly and humbly prayed before God at a critical time in their lives. Would you say with me that a critical time in your life would be when somebody says, we're going to cut you in pieces unless you can interpret a dream? That's critical. That's like 911. I mean, you come to my office and you say, Pastor, you either interpret for me what Isaiah chapter 28 verse 9 means or I cut you in pieces behind your desk. I'm calling 911. I mean, I'm running out of the office. I'm freaking out. Are you? Somebody tells me they're going to cut me in pieces and I'm like, okay, this is not normal. Well, I want to tell you something. Daniel knew what to do. He knew the only hope was to pray. And that's exactly what he did. 
And then scene number five, the king responds. Look at Daniel chapter 2, and as we close out this section, look at verse 46. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odor unto him. And the king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings. Oh, Nebi, he's back and forth, isn't he? He's back on God now. And a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Then the king, the king made Daniel a great man and gave him great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Verse 49. Then Daniel requested of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. I love that verse. You know what that verse is all about? It's all about Daniel not forgetting his friends. Daniel said, King, thank you for all of this. I have one more favor to ask of you. I've got three friends. Their names Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are just as responsible for the interpretation of this dream as I am. Would you please give them something as well? I think there's another sermon here, and that is this. Oftentimes, we begin to take the glory for what God is doing and forget it's not just about us. It's, it's about friends that go with us. Don't forget your friends. Whatever you're going through, if you've got friends, if you've got a small group going through it with you, don't forget those who God has placed in your life to help you get through tough times. Daniel did not forget his friends. You know, we might could say it like this. He had their back. He had their back. I wonder if you've got my back. I wonder if I've got your back. Friends. Isn't that cool? These guys were true friends. Now let's apply the truth. To apply the truth, I think it's important for us to remember what, what the Bible says in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Because sometimes we, we act as if the Old Testament is not relevant for today. And yet what the Bible says is that whatever things were written in the Old Testament were written for our what? Learning. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. I love that verse because that verse reminds me that God wants me to look back at these stories. God wants me to look back at what God did for them and say, you know what? That's the same God I serve. Joe talked about it as we sang, whom shall I fear? Listen, the God of angel armies that Daniel had is the same God of angel armies that you have. And so what we do is we take Old Testament stories, we read those stories, and we don't say stuff like this. Oh, that was cool. That happened, you know, that happened 2,600 years ago. Wow. Amazing. No, we say, you know what? <laughs> 2,600 years later, that again is taking place in our world today. It's no different. It's a little different scene, but it's the same exact thing. Today, we are facing chaos and hostility in our world today how do we deal with it number one the first thing we learn in dealing with it is this that god's help is available pray for it god's let me just make sure you hear this because it's really important that you hear this because this is the main point of the whole sermon god's help is available pray for it that's what this is all about the bottom line of this text is this, that Daniel went with his friends before God to get an answer in prayer. That's the main lesson in the story. You see, we, we want to hear about the prophecy. We want to hear about the interpretation of the dream. 
That's not what's important. What's important is this. They got an answer from God. That's what's important. And so church family, I admonish you today, let's learn this lesson. I've heard it often said that we ought to work as if it all depended upon us and pray as if it all depended upon God, right? You know what? There's some truth to that. Work as if it all depended upon us. Pray as if it all depended upon God. I mean, let's, let's face it. Daniel worked. Did you see Daniel's efforts in this story? Daniel, when he heard the news, went to Arioch. Remember that part of the story? Remember? And he said, Arioch, what's up here, man? Well, hey, Daniel, it's not looking good. I, I gotta, it looks like I'm going to have to cut all you guys in pieces. I mean, it's not good. The king's gone crazy. Really? Oh, my. Let me, get, get me an audience with him. Get me an audience with him. Okay. King, listen, if you'll give me a little time, I can work this thing out. I, we can get an interpretation. Daniel got it done, man. Daniel went into emergency mode and began to arrange things. But then Daniel did what? He prayed. And can I tell you, sometimes it's hard to find the balance there, isn't it? I find it easier for me to to work. To work as hard as I can work. I don't know about you, but I find it easier to take matters into my hands. I find it easier, Elijah, to work as if it all depended upon me than to pray as if it all depended upon God. And so there's a balance here. The balance is this. It's not to work, 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 and pray, 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 pray. That's not the answer. The answer is this, that literally it's that I work at something too hard when I haven't prayed enough. I find myself sometimes working way too hard before I really go to the Lord in prayer. I'm simply saying I think we ought to be working while we're praying and praying while we're working. We ought not come to the end of ourselves and say, man, I'm working, I'm doing everything I can. You know what? I guess it's time to pray. I mean, hey, I've tried everything else. I've done everything else. I guess it's time. I guess I'll call some people and pray. No, we ought to be praying the whole time we're working. Seeking God, asking for an answer, praying for provision, praying for his power, while we're doing everything we can do. That's the lesson here in Daniel. And you need to work that out in your own mind, in your own schedule. I need to work that out in my own mind. I just know this. I'm convinced that our small groups need to pray more. And I think that's something each leader needs to work out amongst themselves. There's no rules here. There's no, we don't pass down some, okay, you've got to pray this long. I just know this. We probably need to spend more time in prayer in our community of small groups than we have been. Principle number two. Principle number two. God's glory is exclusive. Proclaim it. That's the second thing we learn here. If you really think back over this story, you're going to see here in Scripture that God's glory is something that he is very jealous about. God wants the glory. Does everybody understand that? God wants the credit. God wants the glory. So what is God's glory? God's glory is the evidence of his presence. A display of himself. A display of his presence. He's very jealous about that. In this very service, God is jealous over his glory. That's why Joe opened up with our worship team. Open up the heavens. We want to see you, God. 
But I dare say this morning, I'd seriously doubt if phones have not already been looked at to see if we got our fantasy football teams all set. I'm preaching to myself, by the way. Today, more people will be on Yahoo.com than in their Bibles. More people today are wondering, week number one, show us. Show us what you got, Brady. Show us what you got, Peyton. Show us your glory. Show us your glory, Peyton. Show us your glory, Peterson. Show us your glory. We want to see you. Win me some money. Win me some favor. Win me some fame. And that's all we'll talk about. Because that's all that's really important to us. And God says, do I really have to share my glory with fantasy football? Do I have to share my glory with social media? Are you more concerned what everybody else thinks about you? Are you more concerned with knowing what's going on with everybody else's life? Are you not? Can you be concerned about my glory? I mean, this is where we live, folks, isn't it? This is where I live. This is what I struggle with. Everybody okay? Is everybody okay with knowing that the preacher struggles with this? I'll accept, hey, if I need to turn in my resignation, if somebody's got it more than I do, honestly, I sometimes feel like I shouldn't be doing this. I mean, sometimes I just feel like I don't, I don't, I don't get it. You ever get that way? I'm so tired of, 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 of all the things that, that seem to get my attention more than the glory of God. And that's what I'm preaching this morning is we need to recognize that God is not willing to share it with anybody. Isaiah 42, 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory I will not give to another. Just read that about 20 times like I did this morning. And you'll preach like I'm preaching right now. I'm serious. You read that verse for 20 times. Let God slap you around, convict you about all your little things you got going on, all the little people you want favor with, all the little things you want control of. And you read that and realize that God is saying to all of us today, I am the Lord. That is my name. And I will not share my glory with another. I believe in the church today, there's way too much man glorification going on. I know the movement I came out of, whether I was, I was a Catholic and I was a Baptist. That's all I've ever been, a Catholic and a Baptist as far as religion is concerned. And when I was a Catholic, it was all about the Pope. And when I was a Baptist, it was all about the preacher. When I was a Catholic, we bowed to the Pope. And now that I'm a Baptist, I bow to man. Oh, can, will you sign my, oh, you're such a good preacher. Sign my Bible. Hey, put, put to Eric. Because I want to show all my friends that I know you. You're awesome. You're great. I love the way you preach. <laughs> See, that's the, you know, if you look at all my Bibles growing up, I got 17,000 signatures, all men who I, I, I deemed as great. Great. We glorified man, and we clapped for man, and we stood for man, and we glorified man, and we did what they said. We didn't study for ourselves. We just we believed that we, we didn't study God's word. We just said, you know what? Hey, amen, and shout, and stand on pews, and, and, and I learned something. I learned something. It doesn't matter what denomination you are. You've got to avoid man glorification. And so we here at Gospel Life Baptist Church are making every effort that we can to say, listen, there's only one name. There's only one name that we lift up, and that is the name Jesus. That's it. Acts chapter 10 talks about Peter. Peter was amazing. Peter had gotten his 
his past behind him. Remember his past, right? Peter had an issue with cussing. Peter struggled with using the Lord's name in vain after he was saved. Remember that? Everybody with me? Peter also suffered with, he was ashamed of, of God, wasn't he? Remember that? He denied that he even knew God. I don't know him. So in Acts chapter 10, Peter's got things straight. He's on a roll, dude. He's healing people, touching people's lives. He's like awesome. Like Peter's like the man. He's famous. He's well known. He's going everywhere. People are, look at what happened in this chapter. And Peter was coming in and Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. So Peter comes into the building and all of a sudden Cornelius falls down and worships him because, because he was giving credit to Peter for all of this work. And Peter, I love Peter's reaction. Peter took him up. He takes him by the shoulders, stands him up and says, Cornelius, what are you doing? Stand up. I, myself, am a man. I put my pants on like you do. I got problems like you do. I got filthy thoughts like you do. I struggle like you do. I am a man. You're a mess. I'm a mess. You got it? Everything that's being done is not me, Cornelius. It's Jesus. So don't ever bow to me again, dude. I'm not worthy of that. He, is, he alone is worthy. Are you with me? That's Bible. And you'll find this all throughout the New Testament. That men were literally struck. Herod was killed because he took the praise from God. Another verse, another chapter. And so God teaches us something here. There's too many people getting praise. There's too many people getting attention. And the gospel, we don't want that. We want all the glory to go to God. We want all the attention to go to Jesus. And that's what Daniel wanted. Look at verse 27. It's so awesome. Verse 27 says this, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. Look at verse 30. But as for me, I love this, Daniel says, But as for me, king, the secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have. You guys, you guys see that? Hey, king. The secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have. Verse 28, but there is a God in heaven. King, if you think for a minute, listen to me, king, get this. What I'm about to tell you, the interpretation of the dream is not my wisdom. It's God's. He made sure God got the glory. You see, this isn't about, oh, preacher, you preached a good message. No, this is about God is speaking to us this morning. He's using his word. He's using a sinner saved by grace. I've often said I'm one sinner preaching to a bunch of sinners how we can all sin a little bit less. I love watching sports people give God the glory. And I like watching the newscasters get all nervous. And so I just started Googling, you know, I tried to find a good example of this, and I got pumped up. And since this is the first Sunday of football, we might as well give it a small bit of attention in church today. And let's let, how many of you remember the Seattle Seahawks coming back and beating the Green Bay Packers last year in one of the most amazing, do you ever remember that game? Nobody but me? Okay, good. And uh, the rest of you guys are liars, okay? If you, if you watch football, you know. Does anybody really not remember that comeback? Yeah. 
you're just not going to raise your hand. Okay, good. And uh, that's okay. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm just a man. And uh, <laughs> I just do what God says. If God says raise your hand, I'll raise my hand. Look at this little, this will bless you. I know these are a bunch of football players, but I thank God for guys that are willing to say this when a reporter says, what do you have to say? Check this out. About this type of finish, things look real bad for you guys for a while, and then at the very last three minutes in overtime, you closed it out. You know what, all I can tell you is God is great. Everything that happened was planned. I mean, it's supposed to go like that. I say everything happens for a reason. Earl, you're speechless right now. What's going through your head? It's God. How do you explain what just happened these last three minutes? We never gave up. We fought. Man, football, bro, it's awesome and God is so good. It don't get no better than this, man. To be among the most fun you've ever had in your life, right? Oh, it definitely was, man. This is a great time. Um, but first, I want to say glory to God, and he gives me, he's given me everything, all the tools that I need to go out here and play the way that I play. And I don't want to take nothing from it, so thank him. Well, that was interesting. <laughs> um, I mean, first and foremost, I want to thank God, you know, just being able to put me in a, uh, the position I was able to uh, be put in. And, you know, even though I had a rough start, a rough game early on, um, letting some opportunities get away from me, you know, he stuck with me. And, you know, he gave me another opportunity to uh, make a play for my team uh, to possibly win the game. And, you know, I'm just thankful for him. Russell, just tell me, I mean, what are you thinking right now? This God is so good all the time, man. Every time. God is so good all the time. You know what sad is? We just watched a bunch of football players who, who on a football field tackle and kill and crush themselves on a Sunday and give God more glory than we do in the church. It's crazy. We got that light problem again, Ken, if you can press the button. It's crazy. I, I showed you that video not so you could be impressed by a bunch of, we got half of them on. <laughs> We're almost there. We need a new light board, don't we? You're getting it. It's coming. It's coming. I'll let you figure it out. Yeah, there. Hey! And God said, let's give him some glory. Amen. All right. <laughs> you know what? You guys are so afraid to clap in church. It's hilarious. I wish you could be in my house today when we watch football. We teach you guys how to worship. I'm serious. You watch football with the Capaces. When, when something happens great, Mo Capace is ridiculous. Mo, if you don't worship Jesus with your arms high, you, you are a hypocrite. Because I tell you, when he jumps out, he oh, 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 just like that. My son, your youth pastor, goes crazy. But thank God he worships God better than that. Amen? Listen, we need to learn that it is okay to just give God glory. Give him glory. He's worthy of our praise. We shouldn't be afraid to do that in church. Hallelujah. Man, this is where it ought to happen every Sunday. Not for our glory, but for God's glory. God's available. We should pray. God's glory is exclusive. We should proclaim it. Number three, God's kingdom is coming. Prepare for it. God's kingdom is coming. We learn that in verse 44 of this text. And in the days of these kings... Daniel says, 
shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. You know what that is? That is one verse 2,600 years ago that speaks about what we are on the verge of, the beginning of God's kingdom. Can I tell you something, church? I'm convinced we're living in the last days. And the kingdom of God is coming. There ought to be something in the heart of God's people that longs for God's kingdom. Longs for it. Can't wait for it to come. You say, give me a little glimpse of God's kingdom, Eric. All right, let me give you a little glimpse of his kingdom. Revelation 21, verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more cancer and no more diabetes. Amen? And no more liver failure and no more uh, chemotherapy and no more death. Come on now. You, you, you Are you looking forward to this? Are you looking forward to this? This is the kingdom of God. No sorrow, no crying, no more pain. How did God teach us to pray? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come, God. Bring your kingdom. Oh, listen, do you long for that day? I say this to everyone under the sound of my voice this morning. If you can look to a time in your life where you turn from your sins and you embrace Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then you can be assured that one day you will rule and reign as, if, as one of God's children in God's kingdom. You have that to look forward to. Wow. Yes. Let's remember that. Are you preparing for that? Are you preparing for God's kingdom? Are you getting ready for that day? Death is imminent. Death is imminent. And listen, I did a funeral a couple of weeks ago of a 34-year-old man that died coming down off the exit onto Central Avenue and a drunk driver hit him. That happens all the time. Two weeks ago in Hot Springs, five or six people got ran over in our city and killed. Say, well, it wasn't me. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. It might be you tomorrow. You say, you trying to scare me? I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to tell you the truth. That if you're boasting about living tomorrow, you're out of line. You're out of line. I'm not out of line for telling you that you could die tomorrow. You're out of line for telling me you're going to live tomorrow. You don't know. So let's get ready. Let's be ready. And then finally, number four. God's work is sovereign. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Don't let anything hinder your worship of God. Daniel didn't. Look at this, and I'm done. Daniel chapter 2, verse 20. I I skipped this because it's the best part. So Daniel goes and has the prayer meeting, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember this this illustration? Hey, guys, we're going to get cut in pieces. We got to get a hold of God. Remember that? So they have the prayer meeting. Here it is. Verse 19. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. 
And now look what Daniel did. Thank you, Lord. Appreciate that. God bless you. Talk to you later. No. Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Blessed be the name of God, verse 20. Forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee, O God. I praise thee, O God. O thou God of my fathers who has given me wisdom and might and has made known unto me now that what we desired of thee for thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. If we're going to learn anything, if we're going to learn anything from Daniel chapter 2, let's learn this. God is great. God is great. God is great. God is awesome. God answers prayer. God loves us. God is watching over us. God is sovereign. And God is looking for people who will give him the glory. Every head bowed, every eye closed. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Oh, my, 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 my. I hope I can get a witness this morning.